This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Saying goodbye to a cherished pet is a difficult and emotional time. But to try and help process the grief, many of us maybe memorialise our pets. It might be photographs, artwork, even paw castings. And while most of us will have experienced at some stage in our lives a backyard burial of a beloved family dog or cat... These days, there's an increasing move towards all sorts of options. Pet cemeteries, cremation, and even some less understood methods of preserving maybe all or part of a pet to remember them. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning. Kirsten Dipro's joining you from ABC Warnable. Kirsten, when I started to think about and my childhood when a pet died, and we had lots of pets growing up, and at some stage, unfortunately, they all die. I was trying to think, what did we do? You know, who did we call? What happened to these animals? And hand on heart, I think all we did was call my grandfather, call my pa, <laughs> who was just like this miracle fix-it man who somehow magically made it all okay and probably went out bush and disposed of the pet and we just felt safe and secure that Pa was dealing with it. But now there's more options than calling Grandad. Yeah, I reckon you need to investigate what actually happened or maybe you don't maybe need not. to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe not. I Look, we didn't have a, a cat or a dog when I was growing up, but we had fish and which my brother in particular really felt strongly about. And I remember my mum getting ready to flush a fish down the toilet and my brother bursting into tears and so... So we had this uh, burial in the backyard for that fish and subsequent fish, in fact. Um, but but I think that's quite common is the, the, the backyard memorial, um, yeah. particularly when we were younger. But it's interesting now that there's more formal ways of recognising, you know, you can outsource a funeral service like you, you would for a, a family member who dies. You can have the full service and different religions even. You can have a, a Christian burial, a Buddhist burial, uh, a, a non-religious burial. It's it's all out there. It's such a big... I use the word industry lightly because there are some incredible services and a lot of volunteer services. We'll hear from one of those in just a moment that offers even pet grief counselling. You know, you can have a pet counsellor and the work that is done by the veterinary industry to make sure not only that the animal is okay, but the owner, that the human being is okay as well. And I wonder... The idea of pet grief and the understanding of pet grief and the importance of pet grief, as we start to recognise that now as something significant, whether that's why we're seeing more and more industries and options become available to be able to memorialise our pets because we recognise the significance of their death more than, say, when you and I were growing up. Yeah, and more people have pets now. Uh, Australia is has one of the highest pet ownership rates in the world, so about 61%. And over COVID, people got more pets. Mm. And so we have more pets. And also people became more reliant. There's been studies done that talk about how we, particularly people who lived alone, became reliant on pets for that touch and comfort during COVID. And so we have developed these really strong bonds with pets. And for some people, you know, losing a pet is equivalent in their grief as as losing a, a close friend or a family mm. member. And it's probably been quite misunderstood or even dismissed Absolutely. in the past. Absolutely. I mean, we're already getting texts from one side to the other here. Some saying, oh, come on, spare us. And another saying, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I'll be able to listen to this program because it will just make me cry the entire time because they've recently had the death of a pet. So there are pet cemeteries. There are services you can get. There are all different ways that you can memorialise a pet now. And how much does that help with pet grief? So when you're beloved pet died? Did you know what to do? Who to call? And do you feel like pet grief is taken seriously? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. 
Good morning, Rochelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Kirsten Dipro is joining you today from ABC Warnable as we talk about how we handle, how we deal with the death of a pet and how that's changing. This message, Rochelle and Kirsten, during lockdown we had to say goodbye to our 16-year-old Labrador. The vet couldn't let us be with her, but I found a wonderful end-of-life vet who was able to come to our home and put Sasha to sleep. We were all able to be with her. The vet took her away. The ashes were returned to us a week later. It was actually quite a beautiful farewell, so much better than us just having to take her to the clinic. Yeah, we're going to find out as well, we'll speak to a vet about what happens uh, because the, the vet can you know, dispose of the the body after, but what actually happens and what can you do? What are the, the possibilities? But I have to say there are some unusual ones out there as well, Rochelle, that have popped up. So there is taxidermy and there is other physical ferment, um, mementos that, that people are getting like skull preservation and microchip recovery. Mm. So you mm. can keep the microchip, paw preservation, fur clippings, um, tailbone presentation. And I've seen some of these. I was Googling around. And you went down the rabbit hole, didn't you? I did. <laughs> was on Instagram looking at some of these stuff and, um, you know, they, 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 they package it up in, in a way with, you know, butterflies and glitter or all sorts of things that you you might have or photos of the pet and, and a part of of that pet a kind of unusual approach but for some people it's it's an important mm. memento and someone who understands this all too well and has pretty much dedicated his lives to helping us deal with the death of a pet is Dr. Mike Donahue, a veterinarian with over 25 years' experience. He and alongside Penny Carroll actually formed a pet loss support group, amongst many other things, called Pets and People to try and help us when we're struggling with losing our much loved animal companions. Mike, a warm welcome to the conversation hour. Where did this idea come from? What made you first realise that maybe there needed to be? more information and more support around the death of a pet? Oh, well, I travelled to America in 1992 as a young student and they had a system there, a pet loss support hotline, and I was able to listen in on the calls and I realised that people were still deeply grieving their pets, you know, six months after the death, you know, there was a tremendous amount of grief going on, I sort of listened to that and thought, wow, you know, that, that's really something profound and that we really needed something like that in Australia. So, yeah, when I met Penny, we decided to work together to um, produce something like this in Australia. And, yeah, it's really grown since we started. As a vet, Michael, could it be hard to really pick if an owner was really struggling with the the death of their pet? Could, could you always tell by how they were when they walked into the clinic? No, I think, yeah, a lot of people put up brave faces when they're at the vet. They, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes people let it all out, but sometimes, uh, you know, especially men uh, put on very brave faces and, um, you know, they don't let on. Or people just don't know themselves how this death might affect them until, you know, a couple of weeks down the track and they're not coping with their life. They're not getting on. They're not going back to normal. So no one can, yeah, no one really knows how this death might affect them at all. So yeah, my biggest lesson is definitely don't judge anyone, um, you know, especially about how they might appear at first, you know, you never know how it might affect you for sure. And you experienced that, didn't you, in your practice when there was a, a man that came in who had to have his beloved uh, pet put down and you thought he was pretty sort of stone-faced and almost a bit heartless and it wasn't until you looked out the window. Yeah, I just looked out the window and there he was uh, sobbing on the boot of his car and just like, oh, it just floored me because I just judged him as uh, stone-cold and... Um, uh, there he was just absolutely bawling his heart out outside the vet clinic, you know, like I thought, no, I'll never, never judge that ever again. Can it be harder because of the misunderstanding that people have? If you lose a dog, it's just not compared as losing a, a friend or a family member. People automatically jump up and, and help when you've lost, a, you know, a, a person in your life, but not necessarily a pet. 
Yeah, that's a profound difference that, um, you know, when your family member dies, you know, your relatives will travel, you know, across Australia or over from overseas. They'll be with you for a week. They'll hug you. They'll bring you meals. Um, and, you know, but with a pet, you might be more close to the, uh, but, you know, you don't get that recognition from family and friends. They might send you a message on Facebook. But that might be it, you know. There's still a huge difference between the way we process, you know, human death and, and at the death of our pets. So obviously the recognition's gone skyrocketed that, you know, when a pet dies, people will only get 100 messages on Facebook. But it's just not the same as having a funeral and your relatives and friends gather with you at a, at a funeral. Mm. So there's still a massive difference in that recognition. Dr. Michael O'Donoghue is with you. Michael, stay with us. Paul's called from Wangaratta. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good. How are you going? Good. What did you want to say? Uh, yeah, my dad passed away 16 years ago and they had a pet little dog. Um, we had a cremated when it was her time to go. And she was the centrepiece for our Christmas Aww. for about five years and the sisters didn't know. Oh. <laughs> when mum decided, decided that yeah, we just relocated and she went to the cupboard. We were chatting her. She had a good sense of humour, my mum. <laughs> How, and I mean, for you, obviously, it's something that's still um, quite raw no, and emotional it, for you, Paul. No, it gets better because mum passed away last year. Oh. And her were that um, she got buried with in between mum and dad. So oh. she could be the peacemaker so they wouldn't fight. That was the word. We're in between us. So we've got no one. So we won't argue. It's part of the family, uh, really. You know, yeah. when, when you hear Paul, you know, the, that dog was a, a, a key part of your family. Yeah. So yeah. important. Oh, great parents, but he was a beautiful dog. Anyway, thank you. Oh, good on you, Paul. Look, thank you. Look after yourself. And maybe, Paul, look, if you're, if you're still listening, one thing that Paul could potentially do is actually ring your pet grief line, Mike, because I know you've put a lot of work into having pet counsellors um, yeah. that are there and able to help and because people may not understand. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the grief counselling is something, a really special service. We've got you know, like 20 very special people that are just really good at helping people, uh, you know, overcome their grief and just understand what's really going on at a deeper level. Uh, you know, just more than someone to listen to. They really help process what's happened. And, like, you know, Paul is still finding, feeling that grief many years later. And, you know, it's really good to spend time with a professional that helps you, you know, see things in a new light. So they're just, they're more than a listening ear. You know, they're someone that really helps you process what's going on in that grief and to resolve it or see it in a new light and, you know, help you sort of have a deeper understanding of what went on. So, yeah, I think that it's a really special thing to, you know, pick up the phone and engage with a, you know, a pet loss counsellor that they have a profound understanding of what really happened and a deep compassion for you in that situation and a real, you know, strong listening ear. So I've found that, you know, people can have a, you know, a profound healing of their grief through doing counselling. Uh, you know, some often, you know, some people just need that one call that, just a real validation of what they're going through, that they're normal and natural. But some people, you know, if there's uh, significant issues, they might need you know, several calls to sort of resolve a lot of those complex issues about guilt or losing a pet or, you know, they're often mixed up with, you know, family members as well, you know, that you've lost your mum and your dad is associated with that they've lost a pet. Dr. Mike O'Donoghue, thank you so much for joining us and I think you've uh, provided uh, quite a service to, to lots of people and, and listening out there as well who can feel validated about their feelings. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, keen to help. Yeah, thank you. Dr. Mike O'Donoghue there, veterinarian with over 25 years experience and he started the pet loss support group called Pets and People. And lots of information on that website, whether it be to access the counsellors or also to sort of what to do in those first stages as well. This, my husband and I don't have children, but we have our beautiful fur baby, Bella. We can't even talk about her passing away. She is truly a part of our family. Thank you for such an interesting topic, which is just so hard to listen to. That's from Jane. And another, because we've had a few people now 
that have said it's actually easier if the vet was able to come to us and they were able because you know that that your animal is sick and they know that something needs to be done and that this says i'm a mobile vet i do home euthanasia i do home euthanizing i sit with the families and their pets in the comfort of their own home the pets surrounded by people that they love i feel like this is such a privilege to be able to do this for an animal and their people that sounds quite perfect really doesn't it yeah i think there's something really rough about taking your beloved dog or cat to the vet where you've probably been many a times where the the vet fixes your animal or helps it get better but you know this is the the final goodbye and it's very clinical and that's that's really tough Jerry says, my adult daughter has a teddy bear containing ashes from our beautiful 16-year-old poodle to whom she was very bonded. The creation company was recommended by our vet. They were so kind and understanding. We also had a paw print made. It's lovely to have these memories. That's from Jerry. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Rochelle Hunt here with your Melbourne Kirsten Tipros joining you from ABC Warrnambool as we talk about how you manage uh, the emotions and even the physicality of the death of a pet and do you feel like that pet death, uh, pet grief is taken seriously? one three hundred triple two seven seven four. This... I just had the hard conversation with our vet last night. My 16-year-old miniature Labradoodle's time is closing. We're putting her down on Monday. Emotion is there that I didn't even realise. I've been in denial with this decision. Molly, our dog, has been someone that has been there by my side, would come to work with me in the wee hours of the morning, would carry on squealing with excitement when I got home. And now our two-year-old human just loves her to bits. But unfortunately, she's just not the same dog and I know this is the time. It will be 16 years to the day. I got her for my 30th birthday. It's my 46th birthday on Sunday. It breaks my heart to say goodbye, but such a privilege that she's been a part of her life. Oh, Mm. how heartbreaking. I mean, and especially on your birthday as well. But what, as you say, what a privilege that you've had 16 years of being able to spend with that dog. So not only is there the grief, Kirsten, but then there's also... I, I guess just the things you have to work through in terms of if you don't know what's coming, something happens if your dog is bitten by a snake or a cat or if it's hit by a car, sometimes it can be quite sudden. And do you know what to do and, and who to call and depending on where you live and what services are available? Dr Bronwyn Oki is the Chief Veterinarian of the RSPCA. Bronwyn, after just talking to Michael, do you agree in that we're only just starting to take the death of a pet seriously? I do, and I think for people in the industry, it, it's quite surprising when we, we sometimes hear these stories because we see it time and time again. We see the impact of people, and that might be as subtle as just a twitch of an eye, or it might be someone who, who's who's on their knees grieving at the time of at the time of a death. And it, it's such an important topic to be discussing. Um, it's it's mental health, and this is something that everyone should be should be appreciating these animals that we share our lives with because we do share our lives with and as you as you rightly pointed out often more so than our family members um we we have these animals in our homes they're with us every day and some of them are emotional support animals some of them every so often might be your soul animal um i remember when my soul animal passed um a couple of years ago every animal affects you differently and every death is differently and every person is different and everyone will respond differently it's it's an important topic to discuss yeah, we often talk about the positive benefits of a pet on mental health, but of course, when it comes time to say goodbye, you know, we we need to be mindful of that process as well. Another side of this topic and discussion that we're talking about is the very sort of physical reality of what happens when our pet dies, how do we want to remember them, and what do we do with the body? What happens when a dog or a cat is euthanized at the vet? Where does it go? Yeah, and it's, it can be different with every every vet situation, but I can I can probably describe how we do it at the RSPCA um, with with the most accuracy. We have what's called a comfort room. Um, so if a owner is aware that their pet um, is probably coming to the end of life or has made a booking for for a difficult conversation, we'll often bring them into a special room. It's different from a consult room because. We can appreciate that not everyone can have a euthanasia at home. It is a wonderful place to have a euthanasia, but it doesn't always happen that way. 
And then, then there's usually a discussion, um, a discussion about what the process is. And I think it, it can be really, it can be really confronting for people to to see what's going to happen and to understand what's going to happen. And what I encourage my vets to do and what I've always done, and I've, I've come from an emergency background, which unfortunately means a lot of euthanasia, um, is to discuss the process from where to go. And that is as simple as first thing is we're going to place an IV catheter in your kit and that's going to allow us access to the vein. And then we discuss that we're going to give a drug that we use in babies to stop seizures, but we're going to give too much of that drug and it's going to make your pet fall asleep and then the heart will stop. So really explaining what's going to happen at the time and really listening to that, I know it's very hard when you're emotional, can sometimes help with that process mm. because there are things that happen in the process of passing, whether it's an assisted or natural death, whether you're a human or whether you're an animal, that can be confronting to see. And that can be things like bladder and bowels relaxing. It can be something like a, a, a gasp when the like the diaphragm is expanding and tra- contracting mm-hmm. after the patient has passed. And if you don't know these things are going to yes. be happening, that can make the whole process really, really quite upsetting. So that conversation is, is super important and I would encourage anyone who's going through or who has to go through these these moments to to listen to their vet and to sit down and even ask for that information if their vet's not not um, not one who, who commonly discusses these things because it's important to know. It's important to know yeah. that there's no pain and it's important to know what the body might do. Because their reality could be quite confronting and shocking and might actually make absolutely. grief worse. And some people may choose to say, actually, I don't think I could handle that. I, yep. I'm going to choose not to be there, say goodbye, goodbye in another way. Is it? There's quite a few people talking about burying their, their pets in their backyard. And I remember having a conversation with my mum when our a cat who lived for forever, like as an inside cat that lived for like 18 years, Garfield, of course, so creatively <laughs> called. But she was going to bury him in the backyard of her pub in the courtyard, right? And I was like, Mum, I don't know if that's cool. So there's people as guests and so we decided not to. But then we were like, well, what do we do? Where do you bury a, a pet? How do you bury a pet? And then I guess, Bron, when I started to question today is, is it legal? Are we allowed to bury our pets in our backyard? And what happens if you move house? It's a really common question we get because some people don't want to do cremation. Um, some people do want that home burial. Um, it is legal. You are you are more than welcome to bury your pet on your own land. That is absolutely fine. I think people get concerned about the medications that we use to assist the passing, that that may infect either the environment or other animals in the area. The big thing you probably want to do is make sure you do um, do do make sure that the grave is a, a, a depth where the animal the other animals are not going to be able to recognise the smell yes. of, of your animal um, as it that passes away. That could be horrific. <laughs> yeah, because that would be horrific for you, um, and and it, it would be um, it, could, it could could be disastrous. You know, you, you don't need to be saying that. So that that's a really important part, and you may choose that you're going to wrap your animal in something that um, a special rug or a special blanket or something that you associate with that animal. Sometimes that can be a great part of the grieving process to do that. Um, you, you can plant plants on top of where your animal is and that can be a really, really great memorial. But um, it's... It's, it's very much up to the individual as to how they do it. But, yeah, it, it is legal. It is legal to do it in the backyard. Yeah. Dr Bronwyn Oakey is with us, Chief Veterinarian at the RSPCA. Stay with us, Bronwyn. We're just going to take a call. Tula is in Templestowe. Hi, Tula. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. What did you want to say? Yes, well, I, I'm calling up to, um, to celebrate the life of my uh, dear Pepper, who was a golden Kelpie. Uh, suddenly we had to put her down sadly, um, because she got a tumour that grew and had pushed her bone, her hip bone, completely out. And they had to, they were talking about doing an amputation. Mm. Um, and it wasn't just the leg, it was the whole hip. And we had three weeks of agonising decision-making as to what to do. Uh, she was full of life, even up to the end. Um, uh, but we just want to celebrate her life. Uh, she was the life of the neighbourhood, and for me personally, she was my world. Uh, she was my alarm clock. She was my doorbell. She was my yeah. security guard. She was my fun party, my <laughs> exercise physiologist. Um, you know, she was the one that would have... Uh, or just the life of the party. Everyone knew her in the in the neighbourhood, and just a social butterfly. And um, so, I just want to do a shout out to our um, our vet, who's at East Doncaster Veterinary 
uh, hospital as well as dogs days uh, in Warren died who just so looked after her and these people were just real gems because they were prepared to look after my dog um, I'm looking after two elderly parents and I, and I said if I'm going to go through this uh, operation I'm going to need help and these guys stepped up they said we will do anything to help her because everybody loved her so mm. we made the final decision um, we got a, 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 a paw print as well as a, a bit of her fur back as a memorial um, and to celebrate her life, I basically uh, produced a, a big, large six by four picture of a portrait and a box of donuts, which I gave to all the staff at the Vet <laughs> Hospital, as well as all these people, just to thank them. And um, and we got lots of people saying, you know, we'll miss her. Our, our whole neighbourhood will not be the same without this dog. So it was and did that all help you, Tula? Given how much support you had, and now you've got all the memorials, has that helped you with the grieving process? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. We even have even our local church that I go to at Holy Trinity Doncaster. Um, they they even prayed with me oh. for my dog. Like the support has been fantastic, um, and just people telling stories about the dog, sending me little video clips of what they had on their phone um, of our time walking, um, peps and so on. So it's been wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Tula, but, yeah. but the loss in the home, I, can't, I still haven't, this, is, this has just happened. So a couple of, it's been about a week or so. Um, I still can't put her bed away. Um, I, just, I just can't do it just yet. And I'm just, you know, so just... Take uh, your time. Take your time, yeah. absolutely. Tula, thank you for sharing that story. And I guess what has stood out there to me, Bronwyn, is when we think about the role of vets and when we make a comparison to humans and the role, especially if you're going through treatment and you have the role of a specialist, it can make or break how traumatic that treatment is for you and how you recover afterwards. Are you seeing that change in the veterinary world, that the role is different? And we've got people texting us in saying, you know, we receive sympathy cards from our vet. Sympathy cards, um, as, as Tula was talking about, paw prints, clips of hair, they're really, really common and hopefully... I know the, the practices that I've worked in, we, we've always offered those things to owners. Some owners do not want them at all. They don't. They don't. They don't want a memento. They 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 need to shut off. But for so many people, it becomes about celebrating the life that has been lost in a similar way that we do celebrate humans. Um, I love the idea of a paw print. I, I I personally love the. I'm a bit of a gardener, so um, planting planting a plus small plant over the ashes of, of my cat um, when she passed was, was really important to me. Um, but everyone celebrates in a different way and your veterinary staff can give you so much information about how you can process these things from here and what is actually available to you from, from some of the things that you were discussing earlier on the program, such as mementos. I've seen people wearing lockets, um, lockets with fur and things like that in. And on All the that flip stuff. side though as we see as Kirsten said right at the top of the show we've seen a huge jump in the percentage of us having uh, pets like of pet ownership with that does the industry of memorializing pets grow with it and with every great pet like where you heard from Tula with every great vet that is there to support you is there someone there to take advantage of us in our time of grief because we see all different sorts of services and things that can be offered now are there some charlatans out there that are taking advantage Look, I haven't come across any myself. Um, I know that that um, many many decades ago um, there there were some issues um, with with some some companies that were offering aftercare services. Um, I think what is what is very much done these days is, is if you is that the the vet industry does does vet who we use. So we we closely look at um, the the companies that we do use. And from my experience, in these times of needs, people are are showing what is on offer in a very a very passive way. So um, we'll often give a brochure and say, you take this home and have a little look at it. And if you have any questions and you have, um, you know, if you want to call us back in a week and let us know what you would like to do. And really taking that pressure off that time of, um, of, of passing is, is quite important. And a reputable vet should do that. Muriel is in Dramana. Hi, Muriel. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. So what's your story of your pet? Well, I uh, lost my uh, 13-year-old golden retriever, Willow, uh, a week before Christmas uh, last year. And um, she was absolutely my real heart dog. You know, I've, I've had, uh, I've still got another golden retriever, so I've 
I've got, uh, I've had four and I'm on the hunt for the fifth. But Willow mm-hmm. was the one, you know, that touched me more than anything. And I found, um, I was fortunate that I had eight months to get used to the fact I was going to lose her. She had cancer. And I just found it so important in that time to make memories with her. And, you know, she got to eat all the things and we, uh, a friend of mine did a, a beautiful photo shoot of her and I've got some gorgeous photos of her. And, and then we had a celebration of Willow about three weeks before she died and all her favourite uh, people and some of her dog friends came and we, you know, all sat around and ate food and uh, just uh, oh. talked about yeah, like all a, yeah, things. and humans do that now too. If someone knows they have a terminal yeah. illness, they'll have a yeah. a living wake. Can I ask a really silly question, Muriel? Do you think yeah. she knew, like when you had, I guess it was a living wake, like yeah? Look, um, I think she. She very likely would have done. Uh, she, during her life, she spent 10 years as a therapy dog and she was extremely perceptive in, in that role. I mean, it was something she was really born to do and she, she was very perceptive in picking up on the people that were, that needed, you know, some extra care from her and so I'm sure she did pick up yeah. on this it was a very very happy occasion yeah. though and we had lots of laughs the funniest thing about it was that she ate so much at <laughs> it that when I came when it came time to offer her <laughs> dinner she was so full of party food she wouldn't eat anything Aww. and that was that's a good sign of a good party, you know, if you've just eaten way too much. Muriel, thank you. Just finally, Bronwyn, when we talk about, that's a service, right? So that was almost like a, a, a eulogy type thing, a, a living wake. Beautiful. We're seeing more and more services, more and more formal burials for animals. Pet cemeteries are becoming quite a thing. There's one that's even a, in a, a tiny town that in Corrigan, I think it is, that... He, actually is a, a tourist attraction, a, a pet cemetery for dogs. Is that something that you're seeing more of, like a, almost like a human-style, formal-style burial? Probably not so much in the burial, um, in, in the cemetery side of things. Certainly the celebration of life. You often hear about people who, who have had to plan this in advance and, and, and owners will say, um, yeah, we went out for a nice day at the beach or we had um, things things like what, what Muriel did with, with Willow, this, this, this celebration of, of who we are. We are, you know, I gave my dog McDonald's, I gave my dog all the chocolate, um, just all the things that were previously forbidden just to, to spoil spoil them absolutely rotten in, in those last moments and to, to have some, some fun times some just some happy memories beforehand. Um, we do we do find a lot of a lot of cremation that that is really really popular um, because I think that you've always got a part of that animal with you then um, whether that's whether that's in a um, a little little memorial box that you sort of keep in in, in one of the, the favourite rooms um, like we heard with Paul earlier or whether whether you do have a burial at home or whether you do do uh, plant something in in your, in your pet's honour um, so those those sort of things I find are are increasingly popular. Bronwyn, I wanted to ask you more of a farming-related question. I'm on a farm myself, and I know that working dogs obviously are very much loved by their owners and, and farmers, and sometimes they're, they're certainly taken to a vet to be euthanised if something bad's happened or, they're, you know, they're, it's time. But other times I, I know or I've heard in the past, certainly if a, a dog has, has come sick very suddenly or, you know, bitten by a snake or something, the neighbour will shoot the dog um, mm. for the for the owner um, because obviously it's a very difficult thing for an owner to do. Mm. My first question is, is that legal? Uh, look, I believe it is. I'm not entirely entirely mm. up to date on the law of that, but I, I'm fairly certain that one is legal. Um, I think the big thing to be aware of with any passing is that it needs to be humane. 
Yeah. Um, and that's that's the most important thing. So a humane death, a, a quick death where an animal doesn't suffer. And certainly in cases where you are out in the farm and you may have had an animal bitten by a snake or it may have suffered a catastrophic traumatic injury, the time taken to maybe drive two, four hours to a vet exactly. is not time that you have. Yeah. Um, so I think I think certainly the local laws would... would You'd want to be aware of those, and people who have to have their their guns and firearms licences would know more about that um, as to what they were legally allowed to shoot. And I think, you know, if it's done humanely, um, then then that's all we can ask. Bronwyn, thank you so much for spending so much time with us today. And these are really difficult questions and things that we need to think about, but. It is a part of our lives and it just helps us, doesn't it? It helps us prepare for it, whether it be relatively soon or, or down the track. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. It does. And the more we have these open conversations, the more people are going to be able to process their grief properly. Dr. Bromwinoki is the Chief Veterinarian for the RSPCA. This is fascinating. This is from Felicity in Ringwood East. My darling boy Reuben the Pug was put to sleep in August last year. He was 15 and a half. My local vet assisted and then Reuben and I did our last ever road trip together and it was to Werribee where he was donated to the Melbourne University School of Veterinary Science. It was incredibly brutal saying goodbye but knowing his legacy lives on not only in my heart but in a donation so that vets training and research and development could advance was the best give my boy could ever give he will live on for those vets to be able to assist other dogs in need i would never have thought about that but the idea we think about organ donation as humans all the time and we have lists and whatnot but that's incredible yeah uh, you can donate a pet to to science for vets to learn and understand and and help in the care of other animals it's it's a wonderful way to remember your animal and it's it's such a personal decision though yeah it really is diane's in Bellato. hi diane uh, hi what did you want to I, share um we've had four beautiful pets uh two cats and two dogs which have all passed away now but they were all buried on our property and my husband who is um yeah very sensitive and gets very upset you know they've all gladly you know died at home one with the vet coming to assist and we he's always had to decide where to bury them and he's always picked a very significant place where the pet would often sit or to the point where one was buried in our driveway in compacted clay it nearly killed us but, but that's where the dog would always sit so that's where the dog had to be buried uh, and yeah it was just you know the family the kids have always come home and we've all been with our animals and buried them in our clothes or a special rug what yeah, happens do you think effort. about what happens if you move diane i guess then you're like well we can never move <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I hadn't actually thought about that, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's always just won't be moving. That's it. You can just we work all, work all, around. We it. all cry to we all cry together and bury the animal together, and then yes. Yeah, anyway, I just I just felt motivated to share that with you. Good on you, Diane. Thank you. Tom is in Point Lonsdale. Hi, Tom. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I understand you're a vet. Yes, I am. I'm a vet who actually specialises in end-of-life care for pets. Wow, so, so what does that uh, involve? A, uh, well, I, um, I basically we go to the home and perform a peaceful euthanasia for pets in the comfort of home rather than them having to come into the clinic, which uh, I think some of your um, listeners have already been speaking about, but it's something which is really very much in its infancy in Australia and it's something which we, we're often surprised to find that a lot of families don't know is an option. So um, I guess do they you know, do my it? mission is to sort of spread the word. Um, do they do it the more overseas, Tom? Do they do um, it more overseas? I'm not sure, actually, but I know um, it's very much it's very much it's something which has always been done in country areas with in mixed practice veterinary clinics, um, you know, where the vet might often come out for for other pets that are on the farm, say, mm. and they might also put the pet to sleep, a dog to sleep um, at, at home. But I guess we we're sort of looking to sort of take it to um, another place where we we we're very specialised in what we do, and everything 
everything we do is about making the processes peaceful and comfortable and stress-free for the pet and for the family because unfortunately as much as we try our best in clinic um yeah. you know it's really just not so what not made you idea. sort of specialize tom were you um and excuse my phrasing here but i guess a more standard vet and then did you decide to specialize in end of life for yeah, animals that's 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 exactly right so my journey i started out in mixed practice working with uh, you know alpacas and cows and sheep as well as sheep as well as um, cats and dogs and did do some home euthanasias in my work there and then i transitioned into small animal practice when i moved back to back to melbourne and then I started getting involved in some mobile work, so visiting the home, doing everything, though, as well as euthanasia, also doing vaccinations and, uh, you know, de- dealing with sick pets. And what I found was that the the work, I guess, that I was doing for families that was the most highly valued um, and actually perversely the most rewarding for me, I think my, my best suit as a, as a vet is my communication skills and empathy. And so I was finding that, when I was helping families farewell their pets at home, that was just so incredibly appreciated. I can tell you I've got a lot more bottles of wine for peacefully saying goodbye to a family's pet than saving their lives in my years. Um, and it just, so I guess it just sort of transitioned from there. And so now that's that's pretty much all that I do. I run a, a local business down here on the Bellarine. Wow. And actually now we've got also a, a national network of vets um, performing this service right across Australia. Mm. And um, I guess we, we're sort of collectively trying to, you know, spread the word to families who may not know that this is an option, that it can really make a significant difference to the end of life experience for, for them and for their pets. Tom, do you help at all with uh, the, the next step, whether that's a cremation or burial? And because I understand that the cremation industry is unregulated at the moment and we we asked our Bronwyn from the RSPCA and she said she mm. hadn't heard of there being any issues but certainly in the past maybe 10 plus years ago there were instances of businesses who were saying that they offered cremation but were in fact dumping the animals yes. yeah yeah do you, what's your sense of of what's going on in that industry so I, I think a lot of those, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are, unfortunately, some have been some instances of that, of that in the past. We only work, we work with a, a national company who has cremation um, companies in each state and they're sort of one of the biggest and they have, they have an open door policy so families, clients can actually go and visit their premises and see the facilities. Um, they're extremely comprehensive and caring um and and wonderful and um you know they so offer you've a got that confidence exactly, that you know yeah, yeah. So and we, i guess we that's... work exclusively with them um i know i did hear a podcast once about a test they did somewhere in new york about they, they got a uh, a toy cat and stuffed it with chicken mince meat and put that through to see if they would get any bones back and and they did and they said sort of um. there was evidence that it was a you know they weren't actually being individually cremated although mm. I I've thought about that a lot and I did wonder about the poor cremation company workers and whether they actually well that's the thing I guess we have to do our thought, due diligence oh, no. don't we and ask people like mm. yourself and and trust that you know that you've done your due diligence as well gosh it, it's just fascinating Julie's in Tainong North hi Julie. Hello. What did you want to say? Um, yeah, I work for the Commonwealth Bank and we've just um, had voted on a new enterprise agreement and it's really lovely that our employer has acknowledged how important our pets are and we will actually be able to access up to two days of our personal carer's leave for urgent, re- urgent veterinary care or if our pet passes oh. away. And, yeah, it's just amazing because... You know, we're very aware that when someone's pet passes away, it can impact as much yeah. as a human. So Isn't that good really that you can just be upfront about it? Because the fact is, right, you're probably <laughs> going to take that time off anyhow and chuck a sickie or whatever it is. You're not going to care at that point, you know, unless you're a, a surgeon and you know, somebody needs you desperately. You're probably going to take that time off anyhow. So the fact that your workplace is recognising it, Julie, is amazing. Yeah, that's we. That's what we think. It's um. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty incredible. So yeah, just another good thing that Commonwealth Bank is doing for us, which is good. Thanks, Julie. 
There's so many messages on this, so apologies if we haven't been able to read them out. This Our family's been in this house for over 100 years. We've probably got 20 cats and dogs in the backyard. <laughs> and another, <laughs> another says, we've had, we had our 16-year-old Jack Russell Gussie put to sleep on our lap in our lounge room, and it was beautiful. That's from Annie in Northcote. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Michelle Hunt with you in Melbourne. Kirsten Tipper is joining you from ABC Warnable. We're just talking about knowing what to do when your pet dies from, as you said, and it's even hard to say, what to do with the body? Do you bury it in the backyard? If so, how do you do that safely? Do you take it to a vet? Do you cremate? Do you look at a pet cemetery? But then also, Kirsten, just dealing with the emotional side of it that comes with that. And that's sort of what's shifting, I think. Uh, yeah, and I think they go hand in hand, making sure you've got the right process and the right burial, or not necessarily burial, but you know, the right way to say goodbye for you and your family. In doing research, there's even a, a new form of cremation called water cremation that some people are opting to do, which uh, uses alkaline and alkali is, uh, is, in the, is in soil and helps break things down. And, and it's apparently a bit more eco-friendly than the other wow. form of cremation. And uh, but, but it sort of just, yeah, um, disintegrates the bone. And so you do get left with the sort of ashes at the end. But that's another way that you can keep your your animal or a memento. Dr Alicia Kennedy is a vet and she's also from Cherished Pets, which this is a, a charity that offers practical ways to help people keep their pets, especially as they age and potentially as they go into aged care. Alicia, a warm welcome to the conversation hour. When you. you're the work that Morning. you're doing, and I know this is something that you're very passionate about, are people asking more and more questions now and wanting more and more support about the right type of end-of-life care for their animals? Oh, absolutely, yes. And it was lovely to hear um, that you've just had Tom uh, call in. So there is a growing uh, community of vets that are dedicated to end-of-life care, palliative care, and then the compassionate home euthanasia and support afterwards. Um, so that is one of our dedicated services at Cherished Pets is to support pets and their people. Um, and what we find, particularly through our social service in the community with pets of the elderly, is the, the catalyst that a pet provides in having those really vitally important but very sensitive conversations around death and dying for pets and for people. This is quite a, a difficult question but something that I think people wonder about if you don't choose to have your pet cremated or, or buried and they're euthanized at the vet what does the vet do with the the body? If you don't choose home burial or private cremation, is that the question? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Does, does the vet look so, after that for you? Yes. So um, I would say all vets, but most vets have that um, service of aftercare where people don't want the ashes back and it would normally be communal cremation. So the crematorium services that provide the popular individual cremation where you get your pet's ashes back they also provide uh, the group cremation option where pets are, are cremated together so the crematorium that we use um, is the same one that Tom was talking about so they're a, a national service in every state um, we've been out there and and inspected their property and seen all stages of the process and so if pets go through group cremation, the pet owner doesn't get the ashes back, but the ashes are still, uh, what's the word, with dignity scattered on a property, scattered oh, on wow. a property. Yeah. So I think, you know, the most important thing with aftercare of pets is that digni dignity, love and respect, um, that pets are honoured and, and respected even in the aftercare process. That is so important for pet owners to know that that is happening for their pets and that's certainly something that we would like to think everyone offers but certainly through Cherished Pets we give that assurance. And it's incredible work that you do at Cherished Pets and people can jump onto your website as well to, to get more information and also too because you do specialise for people being able to 
keep their pets as they age. You know, you may have elderly parents and you're worried about the lifespan of a pet as well and, and what you're going to do and how you can help your mum or dad or your or your grandparents. Alicia, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you and, and your entire team do at Cherish Pets. We really appreciate it. Nicholas is in St Albans. Hi, Nicholas. You do pet Hi. funerals. Yes. Um, thank you, Michelle. Um, I, I am an authorised, uh, well, a Commonwealth authorised celebrant myself, um, but also... I do a lot of pet funerals um, because people would like to actually apply the same religious rights that they have themselves to, to their pets. So um, you cannot imagine there are a lot of people that um, we can be very busy when it comes to pet wow. funerals. Are you getting a lot of that now? I mean, if you're someone that wouldn't previously you know, work in the human world and now <laughs> you're working in the, in the animal world, are you kind of getting a lot of requests and bookings? Oh, absolutely. As I was explaining to the lovely lady on the phone, my last one was on Sunday. So, um, and it was a, um, a, um, an actual uh, public right um, fun- pet funeral. So, again, it's, it's, it's up to the individual uh, minister to adapt that to whatever, because um, there are different denominations, as we know. Mm, um, but yeah. many, what what many don- denomination are you? Well, my denomination is English Orthodox. So mm-hmm. basically, as you know, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, yeah. we also have um, a community of about 600,000 of English Orthodox, meaning English-speaking uh, Orthodox uh, Christians. That's my denomination, my main denominations, but I do get requests from Catholic and, and, and Anglicans and so on. I know that Catholics uh, do last rites before someone oh, dies yes. sometimes. Do, is, is that something that English Orthodox would do, or, or would people do that for pets? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, my God, that's so fascinating. Yeah. I didn't, wouldn't have even thought yeah. of that. And are the services similar in that there's eulogies and people get up and talk and there's music? Of course, absolutely. I mean, um, I had a, 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 a recent one, well, recent, probably about six months ago, where we had the whole thing. We had arches and, and smoke and the, for, for the beautiful, that beautiful retriever to go through um, um, in, in his little casket and, and, and so oh on. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Did you ever think that this would be the sort of work that you'd be doing, Nicholas? No, no, because I'm actually, I'm actually um, in terms of age, I'm 61 years old and, and I've been a minister of religion for about 40 years. So wow. I never thought when I started that this... But people would like that. And, and being a pet owner myself... She's actually looking at me right now. <laughs> yeah. Is it rewarding? Um, it must be rewarding work. Is it? People often say, oh, animals are nicer than humans. Absolutely, it is rewarding because don't forget, animals do love selflessly, whereas humans, not so much. Sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas, it's been fascinating to be able to, to pick your brain on that. I mean, the idea of pet funerals, last rites, music, yeah. eulogies. When you love, judge though, you know. Yeah, I mean, loved. Exactly, that's what love is about, and saying goodbye, and it helps in that whole grieving process, as we know, for for people. So it makes sense for for pets. Kirsten Diprose, as always, joining us from ABC Warrnambool. Thank you. Today's been fascinating. You know, it uh, has. Yeah. There's a whole suite of services out there that I wasn't aware of until doing this program, but. Wow. I know. Saying goodbye is hard. Now, you'll be filling in for me tomorrow. I'm taking some personal leave for just a week or so, so you'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back with you soon. Take care. Speak soon.